0: Here is David Littlejohn with True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. Hey, we're on. We are all right. Welcome oh, to the man. True Wealth Show. This is your host, Dave Littlejohn, bringing you the greatest Tuesday you've had all week. In studio with me, of course, Matt Dixon. Matt, yes, we have got to find a way to like crank it up. It is a. Uh, I don't know what it is, but I feel like a little bit like the market today. Started on a high, but yeah. I'm fading, and now it's late in the day. I'm going, man. We got to bring the energy for this show. Uh,
1: we need like a portable coffee maker or something where we can just on the way here shots of espresso, just espresso? liven it up.
0: Okay, we could <laughs> we could do that, right? Uh, we have been talking about gosh so much lately. Uh, going on in the markets and so we got a number of things that we're going to cover in today's show some interesting ones around economics some of it definitional but i got to throw out a heads up first take a look at your watch or take a look at the calendar right if you're on your computer you can look in the lower right hand score of uh, of the windows machines okay if you have a mac i don't know right because i don't use those yeah. but bottom line is I see a date of April 12th, okay? Now, turns out Friday is unusual this year. Why is that? Well, Good Friday is going to fall on Friday that would be the 15th of April, which is historically and traditionally tax day. Oh, yeah, huh. Right? But it's also a market and federal holiday. So with all of those shut down, we get a whole extra weekend – with which to scramble to get your taxes filed by the 18th. Ooh, right? So on Monday, that's also going to be the deadline for contributions for 2021 into Roth IRA or traditional IRAs. Okay, so you've still got a little time left to get your personal retirement plans funded. And, and we've seen you, that a little bit today. A yeah, couple seen, people scrambling. We've still seen people going, like, oh, snap. Yeah. Right? Like, I, I, that, that got out of hand.
1: Maybe that's why we're so worn down.
0: It's <laughs> the every year we should just mark this week on the calendar in red. Okay. And CPA is everywhere. Okay. My heart goes out to you. Oh, I can only imagine. Okay. Right. You guys are officially in. The, the two minute red zone offense right now it's the full you know goal line D doing the best you can and my heart goes out to you because I know how exotic that is uh for us it's uh, we say all the time right, there's no such thing as a financial planning emergency well there might be emergencies in finance but not financial planning emergencies right mm. you you done mess that plan up. If you if you got an emergency right okay because there should be contingencies upon contingencies if that's what we're doing but look real life gets in the way every now and then and you find mm-hmm. yourself going oops right i'm a little delayed on that i better hustle well there there we are so we got to get uh those those retirement plan contributions for your iras and so forth in all right yes and here's a little trick that uh, you ought to know are you eligible for an IRA? Okay, there are so. income limits. So this is a trick question, by the way. Right? Are you, as an individual out there, eligible for an IRA? There are only two things that disqualify you, typically. Maybe three, if you want to get technical about it. One of them is you're under the age of majority and you can't write a contract, or right? you mm-hmm. can't sign for yourself. You can still have an IRA, you just need your parents' signature to help. Okay? Yeah. But you need to be currently under the age of 72, based on current tax law, mm-hmm. although that is in flux. Right? It used to be 70 and a half.
1: They keep moving it up. People right? keep, they keep living longer.
0: keep shuffling that around. So that's one. And then what's the other? And if you're out there and you're, you're ooh, ooh, you're a pick B, you're holding your hand, and you're thinking to yourself, you have to have earned income. Mm-hmm. That's the other one. This is, and yes, it has to be earned income from employment. You, it doesn't count if you have dividend income or if you've got rental property income or something like that. It needs to be earned income. Now, there's another special exception. You know what it well, is? Well, with
1: the Roths, there is income
0: limits. So, hang on, mm-hmm. it's, tr- it's still a trick question. Oh, you're going still further into the weeds, Still a trick okay. question, right? If you are married and you don't make an income but your spouse does, ooh, you can still contribute to an IRA because as a married unit, spousal contributions are allowed. On so you may not have an income but if your spouse does, that counts. Yeah, makes. And so so then the question and I phrase this very carefully is, who is eligible to have an IRA? And not a Roth IRA, an IRA. Oh. And the answer is everybody. Yeah. That meets those criteria. Okay. But can you deduct that IRA?
1: There's income limits on that. Yeah. The answer is
0: maybe, right? It depends. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. There's so many variables. It depends. The the deductibility has to do with your current income levels and your participation in an employer sponsored retirement plan. Mm-hmm. If you don't have an employer sponsored retirement plan, then yes, you can deduct your IRA unless there's something weird going on, right? If you do, then we're gonna look at your income levels and then decide whether or not it's deductible. Okay. And the limit's actually fairly low as to whether or not it's deductible, you know, like 110000 or something for a family. I don't know the number. Don't quote me on it. I, I have to Google it, too, because it moves around. Like, every year they change it, oh, yeah. and I'm, I'm a librarian, not the library, right? So I know where to look for it. But the, the trick here is the Roth IRA, not everybody's eligible for, mm-hmm. right? And, and you've already hinted at it, Matt. Why? Because there's income limits. There's income limits and those income limits same story i'm not going to give you the exact ones but it's somewhere in the high 90,000 range to the low 200,000 range for a couple if you're a single mm-hmm. person the limits are lower it's like 125 i
1: think yeah. if you're single and, and what happens up to is, 140 but then it's like and then yeah. you're
0: ineligible because you make too much money and they call the the gap in between like why is there like two different numbers and there's this range in there it's a phase out where you can deduct part of it and That's, there's a formula yep, for it, okay? That part. So if you make below the threshold, you're allowed to have it. If you make above the threshold, you cannot. If you're somewhere in that weird zone, mm-hmm. then you can deduct or or you can contribute part of it. And, and yeah. so they, they say you're eligible for a certain amount to go into a Roth IRA, okay? And if you want to get more complicated than that, see me after class. But I got to tell you that you're, you're kind of running out of hours, right? You're going to reach the 11th hour here. It's a Tuesday this week. The markets are already closed. You've effectively got Wednesday, Thursday, and Monday if somebody's willing to help you. And at that point, I'm going to say, if you call me on a Monday, mm-hmm. like we we better be really good buddies because I'm like, what are you doing? You are right. lighting us on fire asking for this to get done on the same day. Yeah. Because there's no such thing as a financial planning emergency, okay. <laughs> Glad we had this talk. I feel better. You How about tell him, you? David. You tell him. I just think it's so important. This is such low hanging fruit. Uh, I had the. I've had this conversation a few times recently. That the secret to becoming wealthy in America is not a secret. Drives me bananas, right? Spend less than you make, and there are a few basic statistics out there. Things like. Uh, It's hard to be a single parent, okay? Like it just really is. And so statistically, it's like graduate from high school, get married, then have kids. If you do it in that order, your probability of financial success escalates radically.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Like rat, and it doesn't matter your where you live. It doesn't matter your race, ethnicity, gender, any of those identity politics issues right now. It's just those things are a big deal, right? And it makes sense, right? Well, first you if you don't graduate from high school. A lot of employers won't hire you at all because it demonstrates sort of a lack of commitment. I don't care what your circumstances are, that's what they see, mm-hmm. right? So, okay, you got to get like that first basic hey, the education was free. For the most part, if you show up and don't screw up too badly, you're going to pass. So, if you can't do that basic stuff, we have to really start asking questions. Now, there might be some of you out there going, well, wait a second, what about Phoenix or alternatives and things like that? Look, I'm painting with the roller here. There are exceptions to everything and there are people that have circumstances that are tricky, but we're saying broadly, statistically speaking, that's how this goes down. Absolutely. Okay. And then the idea of get married before kids, kids are really expensive and if you're doing it on your own, it's 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 very very challenging to not have that support.
1: Well, on the daycare piece too. Like yeah, if you're on your own, that's It's really really hard. Really
0: hard. And I'm not, ma- this isn't politics, right? This is just reality check stuff. Mm-hmm. We can talk about the how it happens or whether or not we're going to support people and all those other things. A- another time in another program, right? I'm just giving you the data, right? Yeah. So, But if you do those things, then your probability of success escalates a lot. And then it's behavior management, right? Things like spend less than you make and consistently save. And, and how many invest. times have
1: we seen that sink the boat too? Where like, if you can't get that, piece down it just it really just carries over into everything
0: so it's funny because it's true right, right. and it's tough because i don't know about you but this this is sort of genetically wired for me but again another conversation i've is had this the many shiny times. new object syndrome so there's more than that okay um there's shiny object syndrome there's also something that okay here's one i'm totally gonna bait for the break right Something that poor people do and broke people do that wealthy people don't do. Ooh, and I don't know what it is. So yeah, now I'm curious. I'll tell you, but we take our break first. Okay. All right. Stick around, and when we come back, this behavior that rich people do that broke people don't. Just like an internet headline. That and more when we come back. This is okay. Dave Littlejohn and Matt Dixon. And you're listening to True Wealth on News Radio 93.9 FM and 1240 KQEA. Alright, that's the music. We're back. Welcome back to The True Well Show. Dave Littlejohn in studio with...
1: Matt Dixon.
0: Matt. Yes. If they missed the first segment, how do they catch us? They should probably check out the podcast once we post it tomorrow. That's it. And it will be available at... Littlejohnfs.com Indeed. And also... Uh, Just subscribe, right? If you're a podcast listener, you can subscribe. We're on because we're everywhere now, right? We're on iTunes. We're all over the place. If you really want to go find our hosting site, you can find us under Blueberry, right? Not spelled normal though; it's spelled some internet way. But uh, that is so. It's out there. I at the break we talked about. Look, what is what is something that wealthy people think. Where a a poor or broke person, I should really say a broke person, but 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 poor falls under this category. It's a very inflammatory language. I realize that, and I'm not picking on you when I say this, but like wake up to this. This is a mindset check. Yeah, a like, mindset check. Where is check your mindset? What is something that a poor or broke person thinks that a wealthy person doesn't? A poor person will rec- will get, or a, really the broke, per- broke is funny, but like the, the poor mentality, this is generational poverty mentality is, yep. I received money somehow, right? Whether it's through a safety system or even through uh, employment, Paycheck, lottery, yeah. whatever it is. Okay. And I have money in my hand. I better spend this or it will be gone. Mm-hmm. The wealthy person says, I better be careful how I spend this or it will be gone. These are true facts. Super subtle difference. Okay, It's been years ago since we had him on the show, um, but he's a good friend of mine who passed away, but Dr. John Gardini was a clinical psychologist, great guy, and I talked at length with him about this. And One of the things he pointed out is that the generational poverty mindset, and keep in mind what this means is these are people that tend to not only stay in poverty, but then train their kids to stay in poverty. Like, learn how to work a, uh, a resource structure, like a safety net structure. This is people that would try to basically stay within the welfare system and continuously mm-hmm. requalify for it rather than break out of that system and become financially independent of it. That mindset tends toward, because, and, and here's what happens, right? Because we never have any money, What that tells me is this is a scarce resource. So if I have it right now, I better take advantage of it. Yep. And so it's in my pocket. I better go spend this before it's gone.
1: And the other issue is categorizing what's important. What should I be spending my Oh, yeah, wants versus needs. I cannot tell you how many times as a teacher I saw a parent go buy an Xbox and the kid didn't have socks. Like just categorizing what do we actually need
0: yeah, and, versus and that's what a, we want. That's a host of issues right there. Yeah. Because I'd be willing to take a, a wild stab here that the parent bought the Xbox for them and not the kid.
1: Yep,
0: 100%. Right? And so at that point, what it really says is, and this is a horrible message to send to your children too, hey, I'm selfish, my needs are going to be met, and your needs don't matter. hmm Right? So I'm willing to do something where your needs are not going to be met. And that goes back to one of my original points, right? Uh, when people get married first and then have kids, the probability that the kids are wanted is a lot higher. Yep. Right? But this is an issue. So, right, anyway, enough social messaging here on the show today. But
1: right? it's going to tie back in. It we're does. Not, we're not going into the weeds yet.
0: So so these folks, though, if, if that's the, the scenario, right, it's the spend the money while it's available, and then it's gone, and you're right back into self-fulfilling prophecy, right? The wealthy mindset views this as a precious resource now at the break matt and i were talking a little bit and i was thinking about what are ways to paint the extreme in the difference right mm-hmm. and the difference was so you had a good analogy yeah, for this. so i started with outdoor survival right and that's mm-hmm. what we were using and, and it was if you when i was a kid in boy scouts one of the high level outdoor survival skills what they would do is they'd literally send you out with two matches and a pocket knife and say you need to survive the night i mean there are more extreme situations than this but this is the one i'm thinking of and it's a good example right send you out with a pocket knife and two wooden matches strike anywhere matches which i don't even know you can get those anymore Mm. but that situation imagine now if you have two matches and a pocket knife and you have to survive in the wilderness you have all kinds of things to be worried about right whether it's inclement weather temperatures shelter food to an extent protection lots of things so what so those matches are super important I bet you kept it in your pocket and kept it dry if you were unsuccessful starting a fire you would be literally in danger Mm -hmm. so you treated that very it was a precious to take care of and make sure that you were very well prepared and that when you use those matches it was very well thought out and well executed because the probability of success needed to be as high as possible. Right. Okay. So, imagine the two different scenarios we gave financially. One person goes out and says, "Well, I've got matches and I need a fire right now. I better try right now because I've got the matches in my hand." Mm-hmm. And the other person, you know, so that's not precious. That is, let me let me utilize this as quickly as possible.
1: And your and odds you know, of starting that fire are probably a lot lower.
0: And you and go, if you're wrong, you're in deep trouble. Yep. Right. And so your strategy and your tactics were clumsy mm-hmm. because you weren't looking out for the other contingencies. Yep. Okay. And that's what happens financially to people. And then we can get into a whole host of other issues about whether or not people are just apathetic enough and the system provides enough that they're willing to simply subsist in that environment. Right. If you're willing to just survive and whatever environment that gives you just enough to survive that's acceptable to you that's different right but i think the mentalities overlap and and that's the issues so what's the larger point right this is not rocket science right yep. it's not rocket science i mean take a look around you can go to like taco bell right now and make 15 16 bucks an hour yep Okay, I mean, you there is work available everywhere. If you want a job, it's out there. And if you're saying, well, that but I get paid more to not work, then I will go careful. Right. This is the mental trap. You are maybe paid more to not work in the very short term.
1: Right, but, but these are
0: entry-level positions that should develop skills that are more marketable and more compensatable, and they will make you yeah. more than that. And what's
1: the job resume going to look like if there's multiple years of, I didn't want to work?
0: Yeah. Well, that's just It's this very, very short-sighted nature of, no, I'm not paid to work. And I go, well, yikes. There is a, something called the law of compensation. It's not a real law. You won't find it written anywhere except in napoleon hill's book think and grow rich or people that are referencing this really simple work your butt off if your employer doesn't notice somebody else will right somebody else will and they will poach you away they will hire you at and and the what you were not fairly paid where you were will be more than made up for because that person will see and recognize that effort and they will incentivize you to leave there to come to them, mm-hmm. and we've talked on this program before. Like, if you don't leave, it's on you. If you work right. your butt off, but you're willing to just be abused, then it's on you, right? Yep. Oh, I just can't make the move. All right, well then you you structurally handicap yourself. Can't help you. Okay, if you're just too insecure to, to to upgrade your life, I can't help you. I can train you, but you got to act right. So. The way out of poverty is really simple spend less than you make continue to amass more skills migrate up the food chain and then save consistently early and often and you will be surprised at how well this works out and work hard yeah well the yeah. work hard is why you get paid right yeah it's it's now work hard work smart okay double shoveling harder isn't smarter when there's a backhoe right next to you Mm -hmm. learn how to operate the backhoe yes right and now you can magnify your efforts and you can minimize the strain on your body this isn't rocket science either folks (laughs) right i don't think i'm giving sage advice today on the program
1: what's sad though is how many people you see with the shovel in hand
0: well it's just the idea that uh working harder doesn't make it more valuable Mm mm-hmm that's the real key you know and and if folks can't understand that, like just because you're willing to be a hard worker, your employer will, will pay you as much as they can. But, you know, at some point, the job isn't worth more, right? Yep. Uh, you know, it's like you can be the best pizza delivery guy out there, but the difference between the very best pizza delivery guy out there and the kind an average the- pizza me. delivery guy is not so huge that you can get paid. 50 times more than the other guy Mm -hmm. right because at some point like you can hire 30 guys for cheaper than you so you would do that because it makes sense right that's the issue at play here is that there there is a value to your work that caps out so you have to continue to increase the value of your work through scarcity and leverage do things nobody else can do or do things in such a way that you can leverage other tools or other people and other resources okay it's really that simple and the rest of it's just how how are you going to play the game and, and get savvy with your taxes and that kind of stuff, right? So that's the, the 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 trick is like you really can save your way to prosperity in this country if you invest properly and systematically and so forth. Uh, in, in in the only way that that's not going to work is if in the future our entire financial system, as you know it, completely fails, right? Which is a really interesting thing to discuss because that's kind of my segue into the <laughs> latter half of this show. Everything like, failing—that's the segue. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that everything's failing, but what happens when like the foundation Things. underneath us ah. is com- like starts to really shift? Like, are we seeing a foundational shift in our economy, in mm. policy, in the future of investing, in the types of asset classes that we should invest in? That sounds like a topic I want to explore. Yeah. So that's the plan here we're gonna we're gonna unpack some of this now we're at the, so we got to take a break here right uh, okay so as we do that well and and you'll notice the music's not hitting instantly because well I guess we did because because this is the national break where we got some news insight that's gonna come in mm-hmm. but when we come back we're gonna talk about this like how is the economy potentially changing How's our financial system changing, and what does this mean to you as investors? But we okay. got to take this break first. Stick around. This is Dave Littlejohn and Matt Dixon. You're listening to True Wealth on News Radio 93.9 FM and 1240 KQEN. All right, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. Dave Littlejohn in studio with Matt Dixon. All right, reminder also, podcast available. Go to, you know, your favorite podcast resource. Check out the True Wealth Show. Uh, have not formally announced this yet, but there's a possibility that we will be changing the name of the show. So for now, continue to enjoy the True Well Show, of course. And its the, I don't think a lot of the the, the themes are going to evolve, right? We're still going to talk about, you know, True Well to me is all the financial stuff, but it's also the stuff in life that I think is the, the stuff that matters, right? Mm-hmm. Memories, relationships, all that stuff that we really need to be aware of. If you're just chasing the almighty dollar, you're missing the almighty point. Money is just how you trade your time.
1: Oh man, that was a good one David. <laughs> so Coming it, with the heat.
0: It well, you know, what what what? It, what have you gained if you have all the money in the world and nobody to share it with? What have mm-hmm. you gained?
1: Yeah, right. I mean, that sounds pretty lonely.
0: Right? I mean, it really is. And even if you 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 know, people say like you you know, you you can't really buy your friends. You can buy people that will hang out with you and be nice to you. But if the money's gone, are they still your friends?
1: But you can buy a jet ski, and you've never seen someone frowning while riding a jet ski, right? I've, I've or for you, said, maybe it's a snowmobile.
0: Said money doesn't buy happiness. But being broke is pretty sad. So it's the 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 fun thing about the research is happiness does it starts to plateau. That uh, like the game of more doesn't produce more happiness. Like early on, going from broke to less broke to not broke to having some discretionary income, the happiness curve really ramps up. Mm -hmm. Like all of a sudden, life is better when you can do a little bit of fun, sure, and you're not just looking over your shoulder or worried about the next meal. Like life really is better. Mm -hmm. Uh, I remember that a lot of people think about that and they're like oh well you know hey you're you're good you've got this financial firm and a team and so like what do you know about it oh I promise I know like I've been there not I mean and sooner than you think like more recently than you think right if you look back to I moved to Roseburg in 2002 when I, I started January 4th of 02 I interviewed on September 11th of 01 so the day that the towers came down, that was the day I interviewed for my job that brought me to Roseburg. I grew up in Oregon, but I'd gone to North Carolina and had been seven years out there. Finished college, started my career, and then the economy was in a slide and I moved back here. The first two years in financial services, I literally paid to work. Wow. Literally. You have something that you were required to carry to have an affiliation with most brokerage environments or investment environments is errors and omissions insurance. Like If you say something wrong by accident or you do paperwork wrong or something Mm -hmm. and create a financial problem, you have insurance to hopefully cover you for an incident like that. And so my errors and omissions insurance premiums were $40 a week when I got started back in the 90s. $40 Uh, a week? $40 a week for errors and omissions insurance. Has it gotten more
1: expensive or less expensive for you i mean that seems pretty steep more oh boy okay yeah,
0: we don't we'll, we don't talk about oh, oh. <laughs> so it, you know we have a, a whole firm right yeah of people now and so uh, having to cover everyone yeah you're, you're you're covering the event that anywhere in the chain there could be a mistake and we do our really really darndest to never have those happen but let's yeah. we don't need to be in the weeds of that the story though is you know do we really relate to these things and yeah i worked nights this is what people. The funniest part of the story is, in college, I started my first business as an entrepreneur as a disc jockey, and I bought a mobile DJ system, and I was DJing for the you know parties for the fraternities and sororities and the different campus organizations, and so that was my first deal was playing music at parties.
1: Do you still have a mixing board? Of course. i love that (laughs) i love
0: that i I still have a bunch of speakers i even have some lights still i think i still have a fog machine that's how ridiculous i am hasn't come out in years wait
1: till you see our next company party
0: (laughs) so anyhow the the point though was i literally worked nights to work days i was a zombie right i was exhausted and you can imagine being an early 20 something in the the 2000 to 2002 market slide when i was starting my career Nobody wanted to invest. The economy was messy. You know, the dot com bubble had burst. It was pretty ugly. And so I was working nights to pay insurance and making no money. So I literally paid to work for two years. Wow, paid to work for two. Did years. you ever
1: come close to bailing?
0: Yes, I, I, I came it. very close to just giving up. And the washout rate's super high. Uh, I, you know, I was offered a, a position that brought me to Roseburg, Oregon, where. Thankfully, it, while it was a low salary, it was still uh, I was a contractor, but I was I was given sort of a stipend equivalent. I had to buy my own insurance, pay all my self-employment tax, everything. But that's how it worked, and I started building from there. And I worked the next eight years for other people, other organizations. And I worked where I started, and I got poached away somewhere else. That's that law of compensation idea, and ultimately ventured out on my own uh, after 2008 partner with somebody else in town for a little while when that relationship didn't um it, it's it didn't end badly at all right but it, but it did end like it was not going to be a partnership where the the direction that we were growing our practices looked different mm-hmm. so that's when I, I ventured out on my own but so the the when i left out and and went on to my, out on my own it was super lean i mean so my wife's a teacher i'm mm-hmm. bringing in next to zero we have a newborn at home. It's terrifying.
1: Oh, I bet. It's terrifying. And you're probably trying to carry a mortgage in there somewhere. We had too. a mortgage, yeah. and it
0: was just freak out time. And in 2008, with the markets had collapsed again. It was the real estate collapse. Everything was is really scary. Uh, and now you fast forward from 2008 to present. It's been 14 years, but it, as of 2010, we had a negative net worth. Jeez, right? And so a lot has changed. Right, and I'm not going to talk about my finances on air. That's not the point. Um, suffice it to say, we're qualified to give financial advice. Mm-hmm. Okay, and we did it doing the same things that we talk about with our clients by, you know, building wealth, being smart, consistently contributing to retirement plans, and and chipping away at those things, and deferring gratification.
1: That's a big piece,
0: right? And so people see it today, and they go, "Man, you're so lucky. You've got like." swimming pool or you got to go on a cool vacation or something you're so lucky i'm like yes but it wasn't without tremendous sacrifice Mm -hmm. along the way and deferred gratification so everything dave ramsey says about hey live like no one else today so you can live like no one else tomorrow that's legit no yeah okay now every decision he makes, remember he talks to people that are financially behind the eight ball like if, if you've made so many dumb decisions and you can't trust yourself do it his way Mm -hmm. Right, because like it's a no fail way to do it, but for the folks that have more financial discipline, understand the system, and you know understand how to put margin into their like you can do it faster. Right there, there are other ways to build wealth in the Dave Ramsey way. I'm not here to trash him at all. I think he's done a a tremendous service for the industry and for many many people. Mm -hmm. Right, absolutely. I just don't think it's the only way. So let's talk about the way. Forward. And let's talk about the system and the shifting of what's going on here. Because okay. I think that's really important. Um
1: so I, we're talking about like what's going on right now.
0: Well, right now. Mm-hmm. At the break, you know, we kinda I hijacked it. I do this. I like go off on these rabbit trails, right? But it's radio and it's hard the listeners can't yell at me very well. I, I mean I don't hear you when you shout at the radio. So you have to, you know, call us at five four one three seven five oh eight nine eight and shout at me that way. <laughs> But you, I I see what may be systemic shifts in our economy, and they're really interesting. Some of them are concerning. Some of them are just going to be things that we have are to navigate. Are we talking
1: inflation, deflation, stagflation? Where where are you going with so this?
0: So all of the above, right? That's I, I teased about We've been on the show before. You guys, if you listen to the show with any regularity, mm-hmm. you've heard the lecture on what I will call – Mind Your Shuns 101, diversification, allocation, and correlation. I'm not beating that drum today. Okay. We're officially graduating to the Mind Your Shuns 201 coursework. Oof. Right? We're going into the more advanced case. And this is what, Matt?
1: I'm going to take a stab at this and say we're talking stagflation. So
0: inflation, deflation, stagflation, what to worry about. Mm -hmm. Or let's phrase that different. Not what to worry about. What to be mindful about. Best choice, better yes, better choice than I had. Mindful. Yeah. Absolutely. So first, what's inflation, Matt? Too much money chasing too
1: few goods. Correct, and what's the result? Prices go up and your purchasing power goes down.
0: Right, and there are two primary levers to how anything gets priced. And, mm-hmm. and beyond that, we can parse out like what makes the levers move and everything else. there's a very simple economic formula, right? if you if you're looking on a chart, it's a big x. One line of that x is the supply line and the other side is the demand side. Absolutely, right? And it really is this simple, okay? Matt, mm-hmm. if what what is there are two things that are really generating, changes in price right now. Can you yeah. h- help our listeners think about what what are, what are some of the things yeah. that are influencing the price sure. of goods out there right
1: now? Well, we've seen huge supply chain disruptions. I think okay. we can all agree on that, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and demand has been high um as of late. Now interest rates are changing and that can start to affect, you know, the cost of capital. And that can start to change demand. But as we've seen it so far, there's been supply chain shortages. I mean, go look at a car lot, right? Right. Like, you
0: can't get stuff. Right. You can't get stuff. So there's the scarcity stuff. now. Mm hmm.
1: And so, even as, then this is just how I'm looking at it. Even as interest rates are changing and the cost access money goes up, does the demand actually change because the supply is limited?
0: Right. So let's use two different real life examples. Let's talk about oil and let's talk about housing. Okay, Okay. let's do it. So oil, Mm -hmm. okay, let's assume for a minute that there's not a supply shortage, but rather a delivery of the supply intentionally Mm -hmm. being short, being minimized, if you will, right? So we have a shortage of oil, Like the ban
1: on Russian imports of oil.
0: Right. So So. some of this we've created, right? It's Mm self-inflicted. Now, again, just spare me the whole idea of I realize peak oil and like we could run out of it and all that. That's not what I'm talking about. Like there's more in the ground that could be pumped right now if we just wanted to flood the market with more oil to change the price. So I'm not having the environmental discussion. We're just talking about today's snapshot of pricing, you know, not the long-term ecological issues. So right now, price of gasoline is really high. Yep. Okay? Contributing factors include shortage of oil, Mm -hmm. some of it because of war, some of it because of policy. Absolutely. Right? I mean, And then some of it because of we may not have the refinery capacity in certain senses to convert the oil into gasoline.
1: Well, and there's that lag, right? Like, if we want more oil, we can't just snap our fingers and... Crank that puppy out and get it into the gas station pumps right away.
2: Yeah.
0: It there, I takes mean, there's it a days or nine weeks, months you
1: know? lag. I think it's nine months. Could be from, months. Yeah. From when we start adding, you know, more drilling to refining it, to shipping it, to getting it. I think they said it's like nine months, six to nine months, if they really crank it out as fast as they can. Yeah.
0: So, the in simple terms, though, if there is not enough oil and everybody still wants it, the mm-hmm. price goes up, right? So, you see a shortage of oil and the demand is high. Yep. Okay? If we had tons of oil, like back at COVID when, that, when everything got locked down and nobody could drive anywhere. Wasn't oil negative? Oil went negative. Yeah. Right? You could hardly give the stuff away. Two years ago, they, they had no place to store it. It was still coming. You know, the, the supply chain was bringing the oil and nobody could take it. And so futures went negative for a little while. And that's an example, again, of supply – imbalance Mm -hmm. right supply and demand imbalance and pricing shifted around
1: planes weren't flying people weren't traveling as much
0: now in the end that natively balanced itself out uh now housing's a different one this one gets interesting but i think it's really important Hmm. you want to know what the difference between oil and housing is at least in the u.s economy i do want
1: to know the difference
0: great Stick around and we'll talk about it right ah, after our last break. Hand.
1: Okay. Exactly.
0: All right, gang. Uh, we're going to be covering that last little bit like housing and inflation, stagflation, deflation, all those other shuns. Right. Like, we'll be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn and Matt Dixon. And you got True Wealth on News Radio 93.9 FN and 1240 KQEN. All right, gang. Home stretch of the True Wealth Show. Dave Littlejohn in studio with Matt Dixon. All right. So. We're covering the last, the Shuns 201 course, right? And that's inflation, deflation, stagflation. And we had to get inflation figured out real quickly. And the last one I want to share is housing. And I'm just going to run through this so we don't miss the definitions. Right? Okay. The thing that makes housing so interesting is that it's a compound event. Okay. Housing is not just about the supply of houses available. But it's also the demand is influenced by interest rates. okay? Oh, yeah. And this is going to lead us into the understanding of inflation, deflation, or stagflation. Interest rates change how much money banks can lend and what it costs for somebody to borrow. Mm-hmm. If you want to buy a house, right, I really want that house, but I only have so much money. I need to borrow to pay for it. Okay, well, when rates are really low, you can borrow more money. If rates are really high, you can't, which means you can't afford to pay for that house. So now, even though you really, really want it, that's not your demand. Demand is also restricted by your access to capital. Okay. So that's the thing is that there's this leverage effect and the whole banking system's involved. Right, you just go to the store and you want to buy bananas or something. It's like how many dollars in my pocket, how many bananas are available, and if lots of people want bananas, then they're you know the price goes up. If you're the only one, the bananas are only going to be ripe for so long before they're they're not yellow anymore. They're hitting anymore, the clearance right? tag, right? And yep. so, you know, if you want to wait until they're really ripe, you might get a smoking deal on bananas because it's like they're going to be worth nothing pretty soon. Mm-hmm. So that's the idea. That's the nat- the nature of supply and demand is it's, it's in flux based on the number of dollars, the scarcity or availability of the product. And so interest rates totally influence the dollars in circulation. And what we're seeing right now is what? Federal Reserve is? Tightening. Hiking rates, yeah. They're tightening. That means their rates are going to go up. They're going to make lending. St- uh, it's going to be harder for banks to loan money out or it's going to be more expensive for the people borrowing. Mm-hmm which is the equivalent of taking demand out of the market. Yep. So the Federal Reserve is stuck between a rock and a hard place. We have inflation right now because we printed all this money for COVID, right? Just just threw money everywhere. And for a little while, we talked about this on the program, for a little while it just didn't get into circulation. It was mostly in institutional hands, But it started to hit the bottom line. When people left the workforce and then people needed employees, wages started to go up because they had to get people off the sidelines and back to work. But now people want to buy stuff and the supply chains are all jacked out of whack. And so you can't get stuff, right? can't find cars and trucks and so forth. So everybody's got to pay a premium for them, which raises the cost of everything which also means the businesses that are dealing with these issues, right? They can't sell as many units. They need the profits. So they've got a strain. You end up with the the pressure of inflation is more dollars chasing fewer goods, right? So we have both supply-side disruption, reduction in supply, and money supply, lots of people with money in their hands. Both of those contribute to inflation. Deflation would be the opposite, right? There's not enough money. People start losing their jobs. They can't afford to pay for stuff. Demand goes away and the prices start to fall, but now the prices fall, people have to lay folks off, those people leave the workforce, they don't have money now, and so they can't buy stuff, the prices have to fall further. You can get into a spiral of down as well. We have a whole other program about whether or not the government should be interceding economically to try to stimulate economic activity or not. There's lots of economic discussion around that and lots of theory around it. Not for today's program. The weird one is stagflation, and mm. that's the one that we need to watch out for right now that a lot of economists are concerned about. If you look from, like, 1976 to 78, and again from, I or I think it was 74 to 76, and then again from 78 to 82 were two of the periods of time that uh, I, was, I was doing a little homework before the show. And let me just confirm, yeah, 74 and 75, and then in 78 to 82, two periods that have historically been referred to from economists as stagflation, which is high inflation, high unemployment, slow or negative economic growth. Mm. That's a really tough spot to be in when, if if the economy doesn't grow, how do you lift yourself out of a period where inflation is high and jobs are being lost, and people can't afford to live in that economy? It doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound good. So. Uh, the, the trick here is, let me break it down into a simpler term for everybody to kind of lock away. Let's, let's just throw out inflation or whatever, and let's call it something that makes sense. Everything around us is getting more expensive. And our dollars, like if they were weightlifters, it's atrophy, right? Our dollars aren't as strong. They can't mm-hmm. buy as much as they used to because everything's getting more expensive. Right? It takes more dollars to buy the same stuff. That's the definition of inflation, by the way. But the stuff that's getting more expensive, that's the part that is where you need to be savvy about protecting your value. Right, Assets are the things that reprice. So real estate, historically, and things that hold their value because it's a thing that will be worth more later because somebody still wants it. Mm -hmm. right so assets hold their value now some assets have historically been depreciating assets like vehicles when you have a massive supply chain disruption and you can't buy vehicles vehicles hold their value a lot better but things that this is where the discussion of gold comes in i'm not Mm. crazy about it but if we're going to deflate the currency gold may have something there maybe right but let's not jump to conclusions yet it hasn't been a great investment for like 15 years right so Anyway, be asset-sensitive if you want to adjust to an inflationary environment. And what if
1: they need more help navigating these tricky times, David?
0: Since we're at the end of the program, I'm simply going to throw out the give our office a call, a free consult. We're happy to help however we can, and we'll continue to unpack this in our future programs. How do they reach our office? 541. All right, gang. Also, check us out at littlejohnfs.com, but we're out of time for now. So, thanks for tuning in. Until next time, this has been David Littlejohn and Matt Dixon. And you've been listening to True Wealth on News Radio 939 FM and 1240 KQEN. The
2: program was paid for by Littlejohn Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.